Welcome to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. I'm Tammy Mack on Fox Soul. With the rise of mass shootings in the country, many are demanding that lawmakers push for gun legislation. But some believe that restrictions on firearms are not the answer to ending mass shootings. The business of being black today is will gun control end mass shootings? Please welcome the president and co-founder of Chicago Guns Matter, Rhonda Ezell. Hi, Rhonda. Hi, Tammy. How are you? Good. Radio and television commentator Mo Kelly's on deck with us today. Hey, Mo Kelly. Hey, Tammy. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being back. Political activist and the founder of Black Guns Matter, Maj Ture, is here with us. Hi, Maj. Hey, what's going on, y'all? How y'all feeling? Author and social advocate Joseph Estead. What's up, Joseph? What's going on, everybody? And actor and comedian Dannon Green is here to share with us today. How are you, Dannon? Tammy Mag, what's up, baby girl? You good? I'm good. I'm good. And I'm definitely going to be good if we can figure out why this matters to black people. The show is business of being black. And I always ask the question, why should black people care? Why should black people care about gun control? Let's kick it off, Rhonda. Why should black people care about gun control? Yes, we should care because gun control was literally put in place to prevent the black race from protecting themselves after we were free from slavery. We've been dealing with racist gun control measures for eons. This isn't something that's new. You know, it's been going on. We have to understand that we are responsible for our own safety. So if you're looking for government to protect you, that's a bad idea. You are responsible for your safety. You shouldn't be thinking that the government is going to be there. As a matter of fact, no one is going to be there. No one is coming. So you have to understand the past in order to understand that you need to be armed, you need to know that you have inalienable rights. It's a God-given right. It's not a right given to you by the government because no one else is going to be there for you when you need that help. Maj, why should Black people care about gun control? For the same exact reasons that Rhonda said. The reality is the national response time, you know, even maybe more so in our communities, the average response time for police presence is 11 minutes. Um, if you're in a scenario where there's a need for personal protection, if you're a young woman or a young man and you're being sexually assaulted, I don't want to wait 11 minutes for the police to show up. Um, I think that the conversation that uh, we, we kind of somewhat get a little bit backwards is we associate the firearm with the negligent or ignorant person doing the wrong. So more control on the tool as opposed to locking up and not letting out for until they're rehabbed. The pe- or they pay their debt to society, the people that are actually doing the wrong thing, that balanced approach to protecting rights while not adding more of the racist practice of gun control onto Black people while holding violent criminals accountable, I think that's something that's more in a direction that would benefit our communities much more, you know, in a much more productive way. Mo Kelly, why? Why should I care? You should care because gun control or safety applies to all of us. But this is not an either or conversation, I would humbly submit. It's a both and. When we talk about personal safety, I am for gun ownership. Absolutely. And I know the history of how gun control has been used against African-American people. But at the same time, I know that we can't arm fifth graders in classrooms. And I'm not for arming teachers who maybe make $35,000 a year. I'm not going to charge them to teach my child math and also pull out a gun and protect the lives of 30 children in the room if need be without the adequate preparation and the adequate training and even the desire to to shoulder that responsibility. 
Yeah, that is interesting. You do have to have a desire, right? Uh, Joseph, let's talk about it. Why should Black people care about gun control? It saves lives. Me being in law enforcement, I've seen where victims, it would have mattered if they armed themselves. We're talking about, like the gentleman said, 11 minutes, a lot can happen in 11 minutes. So we're not talking about taking the rights of hard-earned uh, everyday citizens, taking their way to taking away the, the right for them to defend themselves. We're talking about how to remove it, the guns out of hands where people shouldn't have it. So absolutely. Dannon, it's on you. Why should I care? I don't know if you really should care, to be honest with you. I mean, we, we've we been talking about this thing for so long. The first time we've really talked about, the first time I ever heard about gun control was when President Reagan got shot. It always seems like we always talk about gun control when it's someone that's of importance or if it's a different nationality. In terms of the Black culture or the Black community, like these other people have said, I mean, we've armed ourselves for protection, but it seems like we keep using it against each other. So I look at it, I take it from a whole different perspective. I don't know if I really care about it because at the, of, at the end of the day, guns are going to get in the hands of the people. What I do believe, uh, like the one gentleman said, is making people pay their debt to society Stop blaming it on mental health and, 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 and definitely convict and get people that use these guns in a manner that they shouldn't be used. Uh, Senator Mitch McConnell is demanding that the House pass a bill that increases security protections for Supreme Court justices and their families following the arrest of armed of an armed man who made threats against Justice Brett Kavanaugh. So why is there a sense of urgency to protect politicians, celebrities and federal uh, people, but not children and not the average American? You want to take that one, Joseph? Yes, because I've it, in my experience, the people who it affects, then they want to. Uh, quickly respond to whatever threat it is. But it seemed to me if, if it doesn't affect you, then people don't care about it. And a lot of what I've seen when we start talking about government, the Senate, the House, if it's not affecting them, then they don't care. So I, I'm I, not to say I'm glad that it happened, but it's just an eye opener to say, look, it does extend beyond just our community. But this yeah. is, can I, say, can I say something, Timmy? Yes. This is why, this is why I feel just like he feels, uh, Joe feels, I look at it as all just a political pun because we always, this always comes up, you know, I mean, obviously we want to protect children and women and things and men and everybody should be protected, but we only seem to bring it up when it comes to a situation where it's like, oh my God, I'll say like, for instance, when it's black on black, we don't talk about it. Okay. Now, if it was, a, if it's black, if it's racially motivated, then it's an issue. If it's politically motivated, then it's an issue. Okay, like what happened down in um, uh, Texas, that was a Latino guy doing that to that. So now it becomes a thing of gun control. But if it was opposite, like if it was a white male that went in there, if it was a black male that went in there, it wouldn't even be talking about gun control. We'd be talking about getting race relationships better because we got system, you know, systemic racism or people doing racially motivated acts. So see, that's, that's why... I well, Dan, we have I'm, talked about, we've been, uh, America has been talking about gun control for quite some time now, and particularly since there are over 288 mass shootings that have happened in this country alone. Um, is, is having access to a gun a risk factor for violence, Maj? No. I mean, no more than having a pool in your backyard is a risk factor for drowning. See, what we do at Black Guns Matter, we deal with safe and responsible firearms ownership. The biggest answer here, because we can bring out actual data, not the way that people use data and statistics to lie. The actual data is the places that, if we're talking about mass shootings, 
The places that are 90% where mass shootings happen are gun-free zones. The guy in Buffalo that wrote the so-called manifesto saying, I'm going to Buffalo to kill black people. I'm choosing this place because there's very few, there's going to be very little people with the means to stop me from doing it. And I'm racist and I'm going to go kill black people. Gun control is actually killing us. Again, you can't ignore that number. 90% of mass shootings in America since 1991, where gun-free zones were, were created, co-authored by Joe Biden, 90% of those mass shootings happen in gun-free zones. It does not make us safer. And to double down, just after Kavanaugh, was there was a threat or an attempt on his life. Now they're saying we need to get extra security. So they understand the importance of arming important people. It's just the ir irony that we don't subscribe to the same concept that our children, our communities through education, safe and responsible firearms ownership, we seem to not have that same understanding for ourselves. Mo Kelly. I have to, I agree with some of what Maj says, but there's some that's also misleading as far as statistics. We also know that in terms of mass shootings, seven of the top 10 states which have mass shootings are open carry states. So we know that those states do have a plethora of guns and there are more law-abiding citizens who carry guns. So that is not false. the only variable that's in not, the conversation. That's, that, that's statistics inaccurate. And even yeah. to double down on that, if, the if, one if, that's... The state that has the most restrictive gun laws in America is California. They have the most mass shootings of any state in America. If I'll I pull may, up the resources and the data to prove what I'm saying, I want you to pull up the seven to 10 that you're pulling from. If I may finish my point, sure. part of what, what you said, Marsh, was talking about added security for those people who are important. And if you talk about added security or law enforcement, those are trained individuals. We're not talking about the lay public. I am for, and you say that you're for responsible gun ownership, then a, a component of that in that equation must be training, must be licensing, must be background checks. If we're talking about responsible ownership, it, then there shouldn't be any barrier to that. Now, two go ahead, Marsh. Two of the three things that you said already exist. Every firearms purchase in America that's a lawful uh, firearms purchase goes through a federal firearm and a background check. There is no such gun thing shows? as a gun There is no such thing as a gun show loophole. Every Have you ever purchased a firearm at a gun show? I have. I have it, but have I you? know you can do it in California without a background check. I no, know you that cannot. For a fact. No, no, that's not a fact. That's a lie. That's wrong. <laughs> that's wrong. <laughs> it may not be legal, I just but came it back can to be done. That's last my week. point. What I'm saying to you is you can, in any, any time that you purchase a firearm lawfully in these United States of America, including a gun show, we're not talking about private sales, including a gun show, you have to fill out a 4473. That is a federal form that every single person that lawfully purchases a firearm, they get a background check. So that's the first thing. In, in regards to licensing, licensing has nothing to do with safety. Licensing means the government is telling you, you have to pay me for this thing. Licensing does not make you more trained, responsible, or more educated about firearms ownership. I am agreeing with you with the simple fact that we do need safe and responsible firearms ownership. We should look into organizations like oh Faster Saves Lives in Ohio that voluntarily teaches instructors and educators that want to do that training and that licensing. Very important. Well, what? We're, we're we going to take a quick break and we'll be right back because I do want to know if that is true, then why do we have the mass shootings? We'll be right back on Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack.
Welcome back to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. And the business of being black today is will gun control end mass shootings? Please welcome the president and co-founder of Chicago Guns Matter, Rhonda Ezell, radio and television commentator, Mo Kelly, political activist and the founder of Black Guns Matter, Maj Ture, and also author and social advocate, Joseph Estead, an actor and comedian, Dan and Green are here. Well, this is definitely a controversial uh, topic because you have gun owners who are saying, what's with all the gun control? We don't need it. Rhonda, do we need it? Do we need gun control? No. And let me explain to you why. When you're talking about legislation and mass shooting, you can't legislate away evil. And the reason I say that is because these are feel-good measures that politicians want to put on the book to say that they've done something. And let me give you a, a, perf, a personal example. Here in my city, we have a four-card system. We have a background check every day, 365 days a year. We have an AR-15 ban. We have a federal firearm licensing dealer uh, law on the books. And during the week of Memorial Day weekend, we had four mass shootings in the city of Chicago. So the legislation is already on the books, yet the criminals are the ones that's breaking the laws. You can't legislate away evil. People are deciding to go break the law and commit these violent acts. No, it doesn't matter what type of legislation you wanna put on the books, it's not gonna end. This is just a political, more political rhetoric, utilizing the second amendment as a political pawn. And they need to do something to get real solutions. More gun control is not the answer. Is that I, true, Joseph? Oh, wait. Joseph, is that true? Um, I disagree a little bit. And the reason why I say that is because it, I policed a state where it was very easy and had access for a lot of guns. And you hear a lot of gun proponents. And I listen, I have guns. I train my children. They have guns. And all because we live in a state to where guns are easily available doesn't mean that a good guy with a gun will stop a bad guy with a gun. I think to make it less easier for bad guys to get the guns is the way to attack this problem. And I think it's more of an economical problem because if you look at the states where you have most of the high rate of shootings, it's in the low income areas. Um, I've responded to these calls. I know I don't see these calls in the, in the outskirts, in the suburbs. So I think it's more than just legislating. I think we need to get to the source of these communities that doesn't have resources, that have a lot more that have criminal elements like uh, robbery, uh, drugs. It, it, those things attach with the gun problem. So we need to address those as well. It's not a, a one answer fits all. Yeah. But, you know, when you say you disagree, what are you disagreeing with? Because criminals aren't going into the store uh, buying firearms legally and lawfully. So what portion of the disagreement is there? Because when you put forth that legislation, that only affects law-abiding gun owners that are walking into the store, showing their ID, filling out the 4473 form, getting a background check from the FBI, just like Hunter Biden did, which he lied on the form, and no one would talk about it but nothing has been done to him. But if you and I had lied on that form, we would be in jail of paying a hefty fine. And where, I, where, where I disagree at, I disagree in the process. And it's too easy to go purchase a gun. Um, I, I, I know some states, right? I know in Virginia where I worked at, you can go purchase a gun within the same day. So I, I, this whole notion of 
uh, uh, we do the checks that we need to. I, I, I don't believe that. I don't believe we can do the checks that we need to because if I can go in the store and come out with a gun, there's no way in the world that you get the the, the effective background check within a few hours. I, I just don't that's, believe that's, that. That's, that's, I, I want to take them though. Let me um, let Dana get in here. Go ahead, yeah. Dana. Yeah, I agree with Roselle, uh, uh, the young lady from Chicago. First Run. of all, uh, Roselle, you know what the definition of a mass shooting is, right? Mm -hmm. The mass shooting is considered four people being shot or more. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's the first thing. So mass shootings are happening at, it, it can happen with one gun at all times, you know, or it could be a number of people shooting. That's the first thing. What I disagree with Joe on also is talking about is the tip is, is happening in low income areas because these criminals are doing it everywhere. In my city, I live in LA, but I'm from Philadelphia. We just had a, a big mass shooting on South Street, which is predominantly white owned or Italian owned and where a lot of black people and young people and people in general of all, all colors hang out and party. I don't know if you heard about that. Two, two, two people, one person got killed. I'm sorry, three people got killed, two innocent bystanders. So what's happening right now, like you just said, uh, Rizal, I agree with you wholeheartedly. It's all, like I said earlier, it only comes down to when it happens uh, to someone that all of a sudden can make a little more noise or a child or someone is shot. No disrespect of saying how I'm saying it, but when a kid or something is killed. Because Chicago, I, I researched that information because I uh, wanted to find out how many people have been killed with got shot over the weekend in Chicago. And I did it in Philly and I did it in D.C. And I did it and it was 10 to 12 all the way from D.C., Detroit and each city, Atlanta and a lot of these areas, people have money. The thing is that you can't, you're not going, all of this legislation is not going to work. You're not going to stop the guns, especially when a guy can get a ghost gun now. If when a person can order parts off of the internet and make a gun, so what is the legislation yeah, going to do? That's a good point, too. Um, uh, uh, Dan, uh, Rhonda, Rhonda is her name, Rhonda. Oh, I'm sorry, Rhonda, I apologize. I was looking at, I was looking at the Brazil. Okay, I apologize. So seven states raised the purchase age for semi-automatic rifles from 18 to 21, and advocates are pushing Congress to force the other 43 to follow suit. Will this age, uh, will it prevent mass shootings? I. <laughs> No. And, and, and I'm going to no. talk to this in here, too. Well, because another thing that, that they're asking for is a 24-hour wait period or a 48-hour wait period. So will this age limit and waiting period, uh, will that assist in these no. things? The average, the average age of a mass shooter across America is 33 years old. Stop it. Stop it. The data is clear. We're not going to talk about the fact that Big Pharma, most of the mass shooters are on psychotropic drugs. To everybody else's point, we're not talking. And Big Pharma is the largest lobbying arm in D.C. So but we're not allowed to talk about that. We're not going to talk about the fact that, OK, when you're talking about, oh, it may, it's only in poor communities. No, the reason why it seems to go hand in hand with poor communities, because those are the areas that have the most gun control. Those areas have the most gun control. Those are the same areas when you went Compton, even though it's in the same state as California, they don't issue licenses as readily, which prompts a person to not get training as they give them out in Orange County, even though it's a statewide ID. When you're talking about the mass shootings and the reason why it's also happening in affluent neighborhoods, Broward County had the largest endowment for a sheriff's department pretty much in the country. And that happened there. There are other holistic things. 
like the like like Rhonda said, when you limit safe and responsible firearms owners or stop people from becoming safe and responsible firearms owners because they can't lawfully purchase a firearm or they don't have the education to do it. Now they go on the street and get it. Now, when they go on the street and get it, they're not training. They're not storing the firearm properly. Legislation will not solve that. Education and a respect for the Second Amendment will. All of the places that have less restrictions on uh, firearms ownership have notoriously lower violent crime. Now, one could say, well, there's a few. Kelly get in here. That's, that's not going to stop it. That's Mo just Mo Kelly in here. Mo Kelly, the age limit should be 21. Yes, but Tammy, respectfully, I think there's a fallacy in your question. When we conceive of laws, laws are to pre prevent or end behavior. We have laws against um, murder. We have laws against terrorism. We have laws against underage drinking and speeding. So it's not to prevent a behavior. It's to, to present a baseline of what's legal and illegal, punish violators of that, and also mitigate and minimize the behavior. And also laws work in concert with one another. In other words, underage drinking, that's, I'm going to use it as an analog because it's 21, the age is 21. You may not be able to stop underage drinking. We all know they got fake IDs out there, but you can minimize its exposure to young adults. And I think laws, when they're doing their work, they're minimizing the behavior and they work in concert with one another. People want to mention California. I'm in California. I can tell you just last night, we had a, a stoppage where you had a man who was drunk, DUI laws, doesn't prevent uh, drunk driving, but it minimizes it, who was pulled over. And then they also cited him for having a legal firearm. Does that prevent him from doing a mass shooting? Possibly, we don't know. But it also helps minimize and mitigate the illegal behavior. So it's not about uh, acknowledging criminals are going to be criminals. Yes, but laws are about making sure that we can minimize and mitigate. No law prevents any behavior. That's so all. then why are we asking for more of those to laws? Me laws? To me laws, let me jump oh, in here. I'm to me, laws are just made, it's for it's a mental aspect to it, you know? So you're kind of agreeing with Rhonda in the sense of Rhonda, I, I believe it was Rhonda who said this is just, or maybe it was Joseph, uh, who said that these laws are basically aesthetic uh, for yeah, politicians. Yeah, see, because Tammy, Tammy check it out. When you, when you, okay, a law is like, okay, let's put it this way. It's like you, when you when you when you're well, at home. Thought, you're we'll put it that way when we come back on business of being black because uh -huh. I want to find out what the big deal is with these AR-15s. That's what I want to know. Why is it the best-selling rifle in America? We'll talk about it when we return on business of being black with Tammy Mack on Fox Soul. Welcome back to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. I'm Tammy Mack. So all, look, life is full of twists and turns, stress, changes, grief moments of growth and moments where we feel like we're taking a few steps back. And it's important to show up for yourself through all of the struggles that life can bring. BetterHelp, that's H-E-L-P, online therapy, is here for the twists and turns and will assess your needs and can match you with your own licensed professional therapist in less than 48 hours. Now, if you're like me, you need someone to talk to. Times have really been tough. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional therapy done securely online. And the service is available for clients worldwide. And you can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist. You can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. So you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. Mm -mm. Better help is committed 
to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change therapists if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline therapy and financial aid is available. So look, BetterHelp, that's H-E-L-P, is a great way to show up for yourself and invest in your well-being because, well, you deserve some inner peace. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily. Visit BetterHelp, that's H-E-L-P dot com slash B-O-B-B. That's BetterH-E-L-P. And join the over 2 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional therapists in all 50 states. And I have a special offer just for my viewers. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp. That's H-E-L-P dot com slash B-O-B-B. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. Today, the business of being black is gun control. Will it end mass shootings? Please welcome the president and co-founder of Chicago Guns Matter, Rhonda Ezell, radio and television commentator, Mo Kelly, political activist and the founder of Black Guns Matter, Maj Ture, author and social advocate, Joseph Estead, and actor and comedian, Dannon Green. Dannon, I know that people are like, what is an actor and comedian uh, talking about gun control for? Um, What is it that you feel will help gun control in America? Well, after that Will Smith incident and Dave Chappelle, we need a gun. So that's what we talking about. But no, all jokes aside. <laughs> like, I hope I hope <laughs> nobody would have pulled out a gun at the Oscars. Oh, that would have been treacherous. That, that would have been truly gangster. Trust me, that would have been truly gangster. But yeah. um, no, it, you, you know, the big thing of what I was wanting to say, Tammy, is to the panel is, you know, we were talking about laws and legislation, but how the laws would defer you know, you know, stop people from maybe doing it. But really, it's like when you're at home with your parents, your parents say, hey, look, you make sure that no one, you know, you do your room and don't eat the last piece of cake or whatever the situation may be. And they come home, room ain't done. It's supposed to it's supposed to make you have a little fear factor. But in our society today, nobody has a fear of having a gun or carrying a gun. So the laws ain't going to do nothing for it. I'm telling you, I don't I don't get into that. I believe that it's like in Chicago. When uh, when Trump was in the office and he was talking about bring put I think bring in the national guards right everybody was like no we don't need to do that we'll be able to handle this we'll be able to do this ourselves but we are killing each other and the problem is it's a fact is affecting the black community more because we're doing the crime black on black with these weapons so only time they bring up laws is when it goes outside of the community or it makes somebody feel uncomfortable in terms of, of death. Or, or, or a threat to like one of the, the lawmakers or the, in our case, the Supreme Court people. So, so I mean, let's it's talk just, about, let's talk about these deadly mass shootings. Joseph, I want to go to you here. Yeah. Deadly mass shootings in the U.S. have involved an assault style rifle like the AR-15. Should people be allowed to own this type of firearm? And why is this AR-15 the best selling rifle in America? It's the access to it. It has easy access. And listen, we talk, we have this conversation about how to improve the conditions. There's no one answer that's going to stop it. Just like there's laws on drugs. We don't have drugs. Drugs been in the system from how long ago? So when we start talking about um, 
what do we need to do? We need to minimize it. And uh, we, during, before our last, before we went on the break, don't get me wrong. I think the gentleman was saying that I said that there was no uh, shootings in the suburban areas. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we have more in the inner city. I grew up in the projects. We had a lot more gunplay, a lot more bodies being dropped than when I went to visit my, my grandmother in the suburbs. So when we start looking at it, we have to look at the, the incident and the totality of the incident, not just because I'm a gun lover. I think the answer to respond to a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. I think we need stricter requirements when it comes down to purchasing a gun. Every law-abiding citizen should have the opportunity to own a firearm for protection. But I shouldn't have to go into a store and walk out 20 minutes uh, Twenty minutes later with a firearm. Did you see the? they, they start talking about the form? There's no mental health check when you purchase a firearm. They ask you these questions when you're purchasing. Have you thought about killing somebody? No. What mental illness person is going to tell the truth on one of those applications? So when we start talking about how to fix this problem, we really need to dive into how are we letting people who have guns shouldn't have guns, not the law by the citizen. Do you know the the mass shooting in Philadelphia? Both guys were licensed to carry. I just want to know that did just happen. Both dudes were licensed. Rhonda, Rhonda. Well, you know, Tammy, uh, well, when we break, you talked about uh, the age limit. I'm going to run real quick through this. No law is going to prevent anyone from getting a firearm. Raising the age limit isn't the answer. But yet these same individuals that are age 18, 19 are able to go into the military and fight for this country and possibly lose their lives. Take right. that into account. Number two, I wish the Black community stopped saying everything happens in our community because no, this is bigger than the black community. They are headed to a new world order. And if you don't understand that, that is the reason that they're trying to disarm America. They can't get there unless they disarm the population. That is what needs to be understood here. This is not about the black people have more shootings or will the white people do this. This isn't that. People have been mentally manipulated to believe that everything happens in their neighborhood. It happens everywhere. But if you fall into believing what they want you to believe, they're going to pull the roof from under your feet and you're going to be out here fighting against the government. I'm curious. So does, Rhonda, does, who are they? I'm curious, Rhonda. Who are they? I can't. I, I can't Anti-gunners, right? And people that want to dismantle the Second Amendment, that are fighting for all these laws that they want to put on the book, that isn't going to do anything. We all know that they're not going to change anything. They're not going to prevent the next shooting, the next mass shooting, but it'll make somebody feel good. They'll sit on that couch and say, yeah, we marched, we protest, and we got this signed. And two seconds later, there's another mass shooting. You see what I'm saying? So when Let's I say today, I'm talking laws. about the people that the, the Let's get rid of rape laws because they don't prevent rape. Let's get rid of terrorism laws because they don't get rid of terrorism. We're having but two no, different conversations. The men you know, are that's, there's that's a conversation about rape either. There's a that's conversation not true. about you, what you actually you actually black prevent people. you actually prevent against rape and terrorism. That's why police officers carry firearms. Police so you, officers, you, you're correct. No, no, no. humans too. I, I carry a firearm for the same reason. If you ha- are foolish enough to think that police officers see, this is the problem. We're having oh, this conversation with people that that don't train. We're talking to civilians that have an assumption. I train please with law enforcement. I train with I train with special forces guys. I know the difference between. Hold that thought, oh, Maj. I want I want to let Mo Kelly finish his thought. 
it, it, it's very simple. We're having two different conversations. There's the conversation about what would better protect African-Americans in America. That is a very important conversation. And I, and I think uh, Maj is, is right on with having that conversation. But there's also the conversation of how do we protect our children who are walking to school? How do we check protect the children who are in class? Now, uh, the proliferation of AR-15s, does that make them more likely or less likely to die in a mass shooting if they run up against guys who are trained and armed, like school resource officers we have in Los Angeles and California, or they're overwhelmed like in Buffalo, because they have body armor and an AR-15, there's a two different and distinct discussions. And I think we're missing each other because we're not seeing that. I do want to talk about this good guy, bad guy theory, um, because we, we talk about, you know, the good guys with the gun getting the bad guy. But that seems to not work in several cases. I mean, you had a whole police force at Uvalde uh, in Uvalde, Texas, who refused to even go into the school to get the bad guy. And when we talk about Buffalo and we talk about the top supermarket, we had a good guy with a gun who got killed because the bad guy had better ammunition. So does sure. this good guy Guy, bad guy theory really work? Yes. So happened. first and foremost, first and foremost, the person that stopped the actual killer in, in Buffalo, he was killed, but he stopped the bad guy because he shot him. The guy had an ar armored plates, which I also own. When you're talking about Uvalde, first and foremost, the police have no legal obligation to protect you. That's why I'm saying we should stop relying on the police. Y'all are saying on one hand, there's systemic racism, but then at the same time, you're saying, oh, but the police should be the only ones with the firearms. The, it's, the Supreme Court has been clear. The police have legally no obligation to protect you. You are responsible for protecting yourself. When you're talking about training, responsible, making spaces, uh, uh, safe spaces where we're hardening the targets, I do agree with the brother when he's saying, okay, how do we protect our children? Because if we're clear that the legislation and where all of the uh, gun-free zones are where it lawfully you can't defend these young people even school resource officers cannot carry firearms on gun-free zones we're clear that that's leaving our children open the answer again is going into places like organizations like faster saves lives that links with teachers administrators that say hey i have a concealed carry they say we will train you on our own dime do you want to volunteer? Overwhelmingly, teachers and instructors in Ohio are saying, yes, we want to sign up for this training. The answer is the training and taking away. And again, it's not just one answer, because I want I think everybody here has a portion of the answer, because the brothers also and Rhonda made a great point here. This is a holistic approach for me to just say, if everybody has a gun, and I'm not going to say that, but if everyone has a gun, we'll be good. That's not the full answer. Training, economic piece the social piece, the cultural piece, all of the things that we're discussing right now make up a whole picture because we didn't get here just because access to firearms. Let me and talk no to Joseph. But your point, let me, let me but talk your to point Joseph for a minute. Hold that thought, Dan, and what? I want to talk to Joseph for a minute because okay. uh, Joseph's been on the force and he says that your police, the police job is not to protect. Yeah, I've, I've never heard of that. That's why I was just about to ask him. I, I was sworn to protect and serve. So when he said they're not here to protect, I don't, I'm not you familiar have, with you, what he's you talking serve about. You protect the law. I mean, I, 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 I don't, you, I don't you, have no idea what you're talking about. When I get well, called, well, when well, I get called, go ahead. So this is you. You don't know that there's two Supreme Court decisions. That's why even in, down in Broward County, when the parents tried to sue the, t the sheriffs and all of that, Supreme Court decision was upheld. The police have zero 
obligation to protect you at all. You as an individual take as an officer, you're sworn to uphold the constitution, but ironically, in enforcing anti-gun laws, you're actually in violation to that oath. So what, this is what I mean by we okay, got to educate ourselves. Let me ask you something. What anti-gun law? I, I have. I never told. I never said one time on this panel that I think we should disarm citizens. No, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not, I'm not saying. I'm not saying you firearms. say that. I'm okay, not saying you say that. I'm saying when the general. Let me phrase it better. When the general public says things like that, not you, brother. What I'm saying is, you as a law used to be a law enforcement officer, or still are. I can't remember exactly one. You took an oath to uphold the Constitution. When you execute a, when you take a firearm off of someone that is, has not committed a violent crime, that's actually in violation of the constitution or the second amendment, which is the bill of I rights. I want the Joseph to respond to that. Go ahead, Joseph. No, I, no I, want, I, I don't, who takes a gun off a lawful person? I worked in a state where I pulled somebody over. They had a, I didn't take a gun. I've never seen an officer take a gun off a lawful person. If I'm you are lawfully I'm, can possess a firearm, then that's your right. So I think this 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 law that he's talking about, Supreme Court case, I might have to, I hope we get your contact number. I want yeah. to actually- yeah, Let's up. take a break and come right back. Welcome back to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. I'm Tammy Mack on Fox Soul. And the business of being black today is gun control. Will it prevent mass shootings is the question. Um, So what is, Rhonda, let me go to you on this. What is a red flag law and does it work when it comes to controlling gun violence? No. And again, the term gun violence, that's putting the blame on the tool instead of holding the individual responsible for their actions. When you're talking about red flag laws, just think about an ex-wife uh, or an ex-husband or an angry family member that wants to call in because you don't want to no longer deal with them or loan them money or give them something. And they make this call and say, oh, well, this person, this, that, and the third. Now they're going to come out. They're going to take your firearms. You're going to go to court, pay fines and fees for something you haven't even done. You haven't even committed a crime. But when you're talking about allowing people to call in and make a complaint against an individual for Lord knows what, and these people haven't committed a crime, they're taking away their due process. Red flag law allows courts to issue a special protection order, which authorizes the police to temporarily confiscate guns from people that display concerning behavior, uh, such as issuing threats of harm. And if the judge determines them to be dangerous to themselves uh, or others, they can be barred from possessing or ever purchasing firearms. Is that fair, Joseph? Yeah, I think that's very fair. If you have been investigated. And during that investigation, you know that if I'm making threats, I'm going to kill you. You shouldn't have a gun because if you do, then we end up with these situations to where you have someone actually going and shooting somebody that shouldn't have never had a gun. So I don't understand why, you know, she said that you have these incidents where somebody threatens somebody. Why would you want somebody to have a gun who's showing the the capacity that they want to commit violence against somebody. That's not, that's that's not, not what I said. Mo Kelly, is this a that's fair? Is this a fair law, uh, Mo Kelly? Uh, well, 
I, I don't know about fair. I guess that's up for the courts to decide. But I think we do have laws already on the books, which are similar in nature, be it 5150, or when we talk about threatening a Supreme Court justice. You know, if you call up and say, I'm thinking about killing Brett Kavanaugh, you don't wait for him to actually do it. You may actually go arrest that person, take their gun away. So there is precedent for it. Um, fair, I think, is going to be judged by the case and the specific issue. I understand the argument when you say that, hey, you don't want to negatively impact law-abiding citizens. But if we're talking about getting to the root of this issue, be it mass shootings, then there has to be some, uh, I, I guess, intellectually honest conversation about where laws actually begin and end. And one last thing, we talk about Supreme Court decisions. I've yet to hear anyone talk about the most recent uh, Supreme Court ruling on the Second Amendment in full, which was the Heller decision. And the majority opinion was written by Antonin Scalia. And he said, like most rights, the Second Amendment right is not unlimited. It's not a right to keep and carry any weapon whatsoever in any manner, whatsoever for whatever purpose. And it also talks about how certain guns are deemed too dangerous for society. You're naming, so, you're naming opinions and you're not saying that the DC, the Heller decision went in favor of Heller. Yes, That's what you're not said, doing. You're okay, being manipulative. Oh, oh, no, Heller I'm not won that actual case. I, I stamped I, the Supreme Court as you do have The that Supreme right. Court said that you could legally own a gun and, and use it in your home for for, for self-protection. That is the decision. But the majority opinion also said what I, I said what, to what, you. What was so the was outcome it, of the case? What was the outcome I just, of the case? I just said it. In 2008, Heller won that it. landmark decision. Mars, the, la the lady that you have in this case right now, Rhonda Ezell, beat two federal cases, overturning a, a, something similar in the city of Chicago and Illinois. But so we're talking about the Supreme, you, Supreme, does the Supreme Court matter or does it not matter? Is the Supreme Court the law of the land or not? I'm saying the whole thing, brother. I so said the last Supreme Court ruling on the Second Amendment. There's nothing. That's not what the ruling was. You said the ruling, and then you gave opinions. Well, that wasn't the last ruling on correct at the Supreme Court level either. On uh, the Second Mo. Amendment, they're getting ready to have You're wrong, sir. You're wrong. The last case that was argued in the Supreme Court was McDonald versus Chicago. That comes from my organization. We won the right to bring gun have a firearm inside of the home. That's the McDonald versus Chicago case. It was right after the Heller case. We all have the that same That is not different from what I said. I you just, just you said, said the last Supreme Court case. case. Okay. Okay. She's okay. the Can person I that won the case. Can I speak for myself? It's her. It is really important the last to speak for myself. Court case argued at Go ahead, okay. Let me let, ask me let, what let, was the Heller decision. Go ahead, I said the Heller decision ruled that you could legally own a handgun and use it for self-defense in the home. Then you went into one of Scalia's opinions. Yes, which is a that's part an opinion. Of the same that's case. not the outcome of the case. There's a bunch of people on that on that uh, panel that have their opinions. Okay, I okay. guess Supreme Court decisions don't matter. All right, go ahead. The go Supreme ahead. Court decision was the decision. You're talking about Scalia's opinion in that decision. I'll so you believe this. there should be no reform? That's what you're no. saying. No reform. Go ahead, Rhonda. What we're saying the Heller case was not the Heller case was not the last case that one was a case one at the Supreme Court for Second Amendment rights. It was the McDonald case. Also, my case, I am the only woman in the country that have created a two-step test for how the Second Amendment is interpreted in the court of law. Again, the Second Amendment isn't about what type of firearm you can have. The Second Amendment was clearly written and put in place to keep the government in check. It was to limit our government, not limit we the people. And those right. are facts. So let's facts, talk about not, the amendments. Let's, let's talk about these amendments and constitutions real quick. Um, Dan, and I'm going to get you in on this one. Um, 
do we at all feel like the amendments and the Constitution is a little antiquated for today at all? Yeah, of course, because you have to remember every law, well, let's say 85 to 90% of the laws that were made were made in the 1800s. So a lot of the times, most of the time, they didn't even look at us as if we're going to pertain to Black people. We weren't supposed to be even free. We weren't supposed to be even able to be in integrated in society. So a lot of these laws, like the young lady said, Rhonda, were based for the government because they wasn't looking at us. And I just think that, again, I just laugh at a lot of stuff like this because at the end of the day, um, I believe that it's not going to make any changes. The one brother, even though I agree a lot with what he's saying, he talks mostly about training, you know, the training of someone with the firearm. That don't mean nothing to a young 15-year-old boy in the street who knows how to hold a gun and pull the trigger. All that training, all that stuff, it means nothing. It might be mean something to the person. Training. That's the problem. Hold on, hold on, brother. Hold on, brother. It may mean something to the person who is trying to defend themselves. But when I look at it personally, I'm looking at it from an African-American male that's not trying to keep blaming America for another brother to be pulling that gun on me. And until we find a way to get to the homes, to get to these kids, to get to these people, to stop using guns for instead of either their fist or talk it out, then we're, we're always going to have these shootings. Yes, the mass shootings of like the, the school shootings and stuff. I always I said it. Those are a lot of those are copycat done situations. But when it comes to Chicago, Detroit, Philly, L.A., all these Chicago, all these major cities, these young boys ain't got where they went. First thing about training. We got to get to. I, I do want to talk about the copycat thing, Joseph. Let me ask yeah. you here. Um, the media has found uh, these mass shootings pretty sensational, and they go on the front. Uh, you know, they're the leading stories in our newscast. So the question becomes: Is this more of a copycat situation, and are we better to not talk about them, or are we better to talk about them, Joseph? Me personally, I believe that we better not to talk about it because we have so much impact on our people our young people when whether it's video games whether it's movies or whether we just seeing it on social media i think we do have a lot of copycat but just to reinnovate what danon said he's yeah, he's he hit the nail on the hood he's he's 100 right when we start talking about these inner city problems the brother is right with training most of the people who own firearms don't go through a training and then when you start talking about the AR, the, the kind of firepower that weapon puts out, even the police who are resource officers don't want to come in contact with, I have a nine millimeter or 40 with somebody against an AR. So we need to look at, you said the second amendment, he's hundred percent right. It's so outdated that, 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 that wasn't written for 2022. Mo Kelly, um, I want to get well, to you to talk about the media, Mo Kelly. Um, is the media responsible? Well, the media, when you say the media, you have to be very specific. Are we talking, talking about, about newscasters? No, I'm no, talking no, about no. social media. I'm talking but about... Saying, 
it's not one size fits all. Social media is very different from public radio and public television versus commercial radio and commercial television. They have different interests. They have different goals. Some are profit-based, some are public broadcast, so they are in part responsible and they can't, can't uh, provide opinion. So when you say media, you have to separate it out and parse it out. As far as commercial media, they are only in the business of getting eyeballs and, and ears for, for the purpose of audience. And they're gonna say whatever is going to be either incendiary, inflammatory, or is going to best boast their, 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 their viewership or listenership numbers. So yes, the media is responsible, but we have to be very particular and specific when we say the media. Hold on, Dan, and we've only got okay. about a couple of minutes here. Let me get 30 oh, Sally, please um, talk about your two minute warning. Sure. You can hear me on the Black Information Network weekdays, Monday through Friday, two minutes, three, four, five times a day, where I talk about the issues of the day. It's called the Mo Kelly Two Minute Warning. You can find out more about me at MrMoKelly.com and at MrMoKelly on social media. Rhonda, what is the mission behind Chicago Guns Matter? Chicago Guns Matter is to educate the general public on who we are, the cases that we won and fought for, and how we are here to educate the general public on exercising their fundamental constitutional rights. So we put faces to the cases so they can know who we are. And Maj, you know we got to hear about Black Guns Mattering and the importance of safely arming our community. Yeah, Black Guns Matter, that's what we do. We travel around. We give firearm safety, conflict resolution, de-escalation. We have a center in Philadelphia where we deal with um, we just certified 150 people in phlebotomy, so they're ready for jobs. We have classes on yoga. We have classes on welding. We have classes on Spanish finance because we can't just give a person just a firearm. We have to give them the skill set in these communities that they understand that their life actually matters. And then they also can have the means to protect their life if and when hopefully never that happens. So that's what we do. Everybody can check us out, solutionarylifestyle.org. Joseph, tell us about your book, Police Brutality Matters. My experience coming from the inner city community into law enforcement, understanding the both sides and where the problem lies and understanding that we need to have these conversations. We need to have these conversations where we can sit down and talk with each other and come up with ideas because we got too many people who are talking about the community that's not from the community and don't understand the problems. So I took my experiences and put it in the book, Police Brutality Matters. Dan, and I know you have a documentary out, but is there anything else you want to talk about? Yes, well, obviously I'm doing a lot of stand-up comedy, but I'm doing a lot of writing. But my documentary is uh, actually putting out a new version. It's called The Executioners. We all had a chance. It's about a boxing team that I used to belong to out of West Philadelphia um, in the late 70s and the mid-80s. Um, we have just got a great uh, interview with Bernard Hopkins and Sean O'Grady, so we're adding up the uh, documentary. And, you know, I do a lot of writing and and producing and, you know, obviously the acting. So yes, I'm still out there doing my thing. Thank you. Thank you. Now, I know this may be hard for all of you, but in three words, how do we stop mass shootings in America? Three words. Joseph, I'll start with you. Definitely training, accountability, and reform. Mo Kelly? We can not. Ooh. Dannon? Mo took my words. We can not. Rhonda. You cannot. Wow. This is disheartening for me. Maj. Training, accountability, the Second Amendment. 
All right. Thank you, Rhonda. Thank you, Maj, Mo Kelly, Dannon, and Joseph for being on Business of Being Black. You guys stick around because Cocktails with the Queens is up next on Fox Soul. I'm Tammy Mack, and that's Business of Being Black on Fox Soul. See y'all. Thank you.